have no idea how to tell this story. I don't even know how to start it. This is the story of my senior year of high school and how it destroyed my life. Your father and I want to talk to you about something sad. Rachel Kushner has been diagnosed with leukemia. That sucks. It sucks. It sucks quite a bit. You might be someone who could make Rachel feel better. I don't need your stupid pity. I'm not here because I pity you. I'm actually here because my mom is making me. It's actually worse. Everyone was going to find out sooner or later. One thing you can do if you don't want to talk to anyone is just enter a subhuman state. Pretend you're someone annoying. Hi, Rachel. I'm really sorry you have cancer. <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so if this was a touching romantic story, our eyes would meet and suddenly we would be furiously making out with the fire of a thousand suns. But this isn't a touching romantic story. Anyway. Yep. Who is this little friend? Earl's just my co-worker. I've known him since kindergarten. What you got, cat? Wanna fight? Then think so, punk cat. So you and Greg are co-workers? Nah, we friends. Dude's terrified of calling somebody his friend. Dude's got issues. But how are you co-workers? We make films. Movies? They're terrible. Greg, you never told me. The idea behind each one was, we took a film that we liked, and we made the title stupider, and then made a new film to reflect the new title. It's a formula that only produces horrible films, but for some reason we keep using it. You need to make a film for Rachel. Hi, Rachel. I don't really know you, but I believe in you. I know you're Jewish, but God has a plan for you. Out of all the people in the school, I don't hate you. Damn. You guys were making a movie for me. We tried a bunch of stuff and it's not that good. Now is not the time for your, I'm Greg, I suck, nothing I do is any good thing. We agreed to do a film that we have no idea what it should look like or even be. What was I thinking? I'm so tired of you treating this girl like she a burden. Because somebody actually cares about you, her life is over after this. Life can keep unfolding itself to you just as long as you pay attention to it. It was the best of times. <sighs> worst of times. It's so much harder than I thought it would. It was life. You're listening to Not Another Teen Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Garner, and here I have with me Pablo Vargas. What's up, guys? And Chris Moran. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, so last week we deb- debuted our first episode. Yeah, how did that go, by the way? I'm not sure. I, I mean, I had multiple people telling me that they liked it. I mean, I mean that's that's good. So I I think that that means that we're we're okay. Yeah, that's good. Doing all right, guys. You we're know what? Right. Not another teen podcast. We're doing all right. That's our slogan. <laughs> that sums it up. All right, I guess we're done. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, all right. In, in audio <laughs> cut. Okay. <laughs> so uh, this week we're um talking about walk hard, right, guys? Oh yeah, dude, Walk Hard. Uh, Very uh, underrated uh, movie. <laughs> no, we're not talking yeah. about Walk Hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we're talking about Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Uh, I think it's one of the most underrated coming of age films that nobody ever saw. But, it was actually a really good movie. Yeah, but we're gonna talk about that in a second because first yeah. we have to get to our first segment, guys. Um, what have we been watching? Uh, I saw Nightcrawler. A thing yesterday. Ryan Jack uh, Gyllenhaal. Yeah, uh, Jake, but yeah. Jake, whatever. Come Jack, on. Jake. He's know. too much. He's too goatified. No, he's too goatified for you. Get him his name wrong. I'm a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm more of a disgrace because I haven't seen it. So, sum it up. Uh, it was, uh, basically, it's about um, 
a guy down on his luck trying to search for a job. And uh, he eventually discovers this Karasi uh, type of job where he records tragedies and oh. accidents, okay. sells them to uh, news stations, money. And uh, it gets worse and worse and until he becomes so uncomfortable to watch. And oh. uh, yeah, no, he, he becomes a very unlikable character to the end. Okay. Uh, it's just it's chilling, <laughs> it's disturbing. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it's messed up. It's a business. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that sounds like a movie. <laughs> yeah, I recommend. I recommend to watch it though. I recommend to watch it. It's in a good way. It's disturbing in a good way. Okay. Yeah. No. I've been. It's on my watch list. It. I just haven't gone around to it yet. My watch list is twenty miles long. So. Yeah, Chris, what have you been mm. watching? Well, the last thing I watched was uh, Team America: World Police. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, yep, that's a movie. It's certainly yeah. a movie. Uh, America, no. <laughs> heck yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's actually it's stupid, but it's actually funny. Yeah, it's a, I I didn't hate that movie. It's it's all right. It's not all my right. favorite. Yeah. It's not my favorite Trey and Parker movie. So yeah, they have, they have better ones. But yeah, the South Park movie is way better. Yeah, no, I actually would agree with that. It's yeah, <laughs> but um, it might be his best movie. My but, opinion. Uh, the latest thing, I think the last thing I watched was actually a few days ago. I think. Was it last night? Oh no, I watched um, Fury Road for the second time. The first time I watched it, I was like 13, and I was like, oh yeah, that was, that was a good movie. And it was a good movie? Just kind of wrote it off. But I watched it again a few nights ago, and that movie's insane. What? <laughs> I like yeah. I I would think that like my thirteen year old self would love that type of thing. Maybe I was fourteen, fifteen. I don't know. Like it's like it's just like a two and a half hour car chase. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like Road Warrior upgraded. Well, I haven't seen Max. any other Mad Max movies, but I really <laughs> liked this one. So I'm gonna have to catch up on the others. Yeah, I see. I've seen Fury Road like four times. I think the first time I saw it, I was like. I liked it, but I don't know if there was way too much action that I kept rewatching. I'm like, no, no, I definitely like it. I love it, dude. It's it's insane. And I was looking not not to get too far into the into this movie, but the way George Miller shot the film is so cool. Like, um, he his on his cinematographer's like TV screen that he watched the camera. He wrote a, he did a big red X in the middle of the screen and he told the cinematographer if the action gets away from the middle of the screen we cut and do it again. And that's how he oh filmed gosh. the entire film. <laughs> it's um he calls it center point action and it's what the John Wick movies use now. Um and all of like the newer action films that are really sleek looking that are like great they all use they're all like handheld but it's also center point. Which makes sense. Yeah, I, I thought that was cool. But that's not what we're here I mean, to talk about. We're here to talk about uh, me and Earl and the dying girl. <laughs> we're getting yeah. into Fury Road, man. <laughs> uh, we um, got off the tracks without even <laughs> without yeah, even right. trying before to. <laughs> before we even started, we got off track.
<laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I said earlier, um, me and Earl and the Dying Girl is probably the most underseen coming of age movie that is basically like, it's not perfect, but it gets pretty close <laughs> at some points. This was my first time seeing it, and I thought it was, like, a really good movie. Like, I wasn't expecting it to, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but, um, (laughs) I read the book before I saw the movie a few years ago, and the book is okay. It's not, like, the greatest thing in the world, so I saw, like, the Blu-ray at Best Buy for, like, five bucks, and so I picked it up, and the movie, like, blew my mind. It's so good. Five bucks? Yeah, it was five bucks. Dang. <laughs> uh, it may have been ten, oh, but I'm pretty sure I got it in the five dollar bin. Huh. And I was just like, oh, I've read this, and then I bought it. Because that's what I do with blue races. I look at them, and then I buy them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how everybody does it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I do it a higher amount than most people. About yeah, the same man. as you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take too much for blue rays. I, I, I try not to. No, I, I, on blue rays, uh, or... Getting sidetracked again. <laughs> um, for Blu rays, I pay like $15, probably max. If if I'm paying over $20 for a movie, it's a Criterion movie that I love or really, really want to see, or it's very new. Like, I bought all the Star Wars movies for pretty expensive, except The Rise of Skywalker, which I have yet to buy because I hate it. But other than that, like thirty bucks right now. I'm not paying. Star Wars, cool. No, the last Jedi is a masterpiece, and that's all I have to say about it. Um, there you go. There you go. The last Jedi haters coming in to raid our podcast now. Oh my god! It was like one star. (laughs) Hey, Star Wars, one star. (laughs) How dare he like the. Jedi, how dare he? Oh my god. <laughs> Has an opinion? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't have an opinion when it comes to new Star Wars movies. <laughs> we're getting off track. <laughs> and now we're getting back on track. Get us the blazers out of here! Okay, <laughs> so, um, what the movie's about is it's about this kid Greg who is really really socially awkward in ways that I think a lot of people can relate to in certain aspects right um yeah I, yeah. I don't think everyone can I can anyway I can um, and it's <laughs> just a, can. <laughs> it's just a dude who is like he's kind of an awful person but he's kind of not and he his mom forces him to go hang out with this girl who gets cancer Right, um, played by Olivia Cook, and he like really doesn't want to, and eventually, like she literally forces him to go to her house, and like she, you know, they become friends, and the whole premise of the movie is that their friendship isn't the fault in our star's friendship, right? There isn't like yes. this like beautiful perfect thing that everyone is like, oh, they're in love, wow, um, if they're yeah. just. They're just platonic. It's a platonic friendship, and honestly, that makes the it, that premise alone makes it so unique in the coming of age genre. Yeah, it really does. Because all the other ones are like, kind of like, can be have like romantic elements in it, 
instead of just platonic. Yeah, it's not. It's this movie is not a John Green novel. <laughs> no. Yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and it's comedic at the right moments. Yes. Uh, and it's like, where it needs to be. It it really is like, I think that that's the genius of the film is that it has like these really really quiet moments, right? But it also has the like comedic moments that it really really needs. Um, and like we can get into those um, right now. Uh, I think the first one that comes to my mind is Hugh Jackman in the movie. Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> that that was actually really funny. <laughs> yeah, like it's the most unexpected cameo possible. I don't think you could have had a more unexpected person in that scene. And like Hugh oh, Jackman yeah, yeah. just starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> my question right now how did they get him in this movie dude i this is 2015 logan is 2017 right yeah i think so yes so this is he's still wolverine in this movie so i like if it was after logan then and you told me that that um hugh jackman was just gonna pop up in some Sundance coming of age film, then I would have been like, uh, Actually, uh what? This movie but... came out in 2012, <laughs> didn't it? Is it 2015. 15. I thought it was 2012. Pretty sure. Okay, yeah, it's 2015. It's 2015. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was 20. I know my movie release dates. <laughs> I read somewhere that in the book it was uh, Daniel Craig instead of Hugh Jackman. Yeah, it was. Um, that would have also, it would have been kind of an epic thing, except Hugh Jackman, or what? Uh, Daniel Craig isn't like. The movie star that Hugh Jackman. It would have been him. It would have been him as yeah. James Bond, though. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. It would have been a poster of James Bond. Yeah, that's what it was in the least. book. But I think Hugh Jackman, to me at least, that is like the ultimate cameo that you can get. Oh yeah, Hugh Jackman is way better. Yeah, that was fun. For a Fox movie, so. Well, yeah, it is Fox. Now, now it's a Disney movie. It isn't now a Disney oh, movie. Stop it! No. <laughs> <laughs> But um, <laughs> Hugh Jackman is all he comes in and just yells at Greg about um, giving the Rachel um, advice to die. And Hugh Jackman's like, you're telling the dying girl to die. <laughs> just so we're straight on this, you're advising a girl with cancer to pretend to be dead. Mm-hmm. No, s- seriously, think about what you're doing here, kid. I mean, I've been doing my broody Wolverine face on this girl's wall for five and a quarter years, and at this point, I'm probably only still here because she'd feel weirdly guilty or disloyal taking me down, but I'm god if I'm letting a little punk like you waltz in here, stupiding up the place. Not on my watch, pal. Beautiful. Oh my god. I was going to talk about the performances. Oh, dude, yeah. That's probably what made these movies and the characters so likable and relatable. Yeah. Um, uh... Actually, no, all three of them actually. Yeah, I was gonna say mainly the the main lead, uh, who is what's his name again? Uh, I didn't write it down. Didn't write. Come on, uh, cool. Well, his name is Greg. 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 Yeah, Greg. Oh, well, Greg. yeah, Greg. Could I thought our... you meant Thomas Mann. Well, Thomas Mann is that's the, the guy, guy who plays him. him. Yeah. Yeah. All three yeah. of them actually. They each have uh, personal personalities, and um, and uh, I think to me. Earl was probably the best character in the movie. What's crazy is that is also his first movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, RJ Styler. And he's like, he doesn't have a huge part in it, 
but that honestly yeah. kind of makes it like even his performance even better because it's such a subtle performance of like you never see him become friends with um Rachel in the way that you do Greg but you still know that they're becoming friends off on the sideline as the movie is like progressing because you get you see how Earl goes from not really caring and her just being like a body object right and then yeah. and then by the end of the movie he cares about her so much more and it's such i to me that's like an impossible performance there aren't many actors who are able to pull convince an audience that they have gotten to know people without even like having many scenes together right yeah and he went on to do power rangers which is an awesome movie and i will die on that hill I'm guessing that also counts as a teenage movie. Oh yeah, no, that one's definitely gonna pop up eventually in one of our superhero I'm months. Crispy uh, cream. <laughs> Yo, um, it doesn't even bother me. It. it doesn't even bother me. I'm just me. saying. I'm just okay. saying. But he plays in in Power Rangers. He plays an autistic character, which I just thought was like he did it so well, which I thought was awesome. But um. Yeah, he's great in it. Olivia Cook gives such a great performance as a person with leukemia and so heartfelt. He still had eyebrows, though. You know, she shaved her head, right? Yeah, she shaved her head for the role. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in real life, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which she refused to do a bald cap because she felt it would be inauthentic to the character, so respect. Yeah, it's a lot of dedication to do that for a role. Honestly, it's just a trinity of actors who are all both, they're both hilarious, but they're also so heartfelt. There's one scene in the movie um, where Thomas and Olivia are arguing with each other. And I'm trying not to spoil this one as much as we did EZA, just because this one's a newer one and nobody has seen it. Um, so they're arguing about a decision that's made between the two of them and the camera Mm. never moves. It's a five minute take. I looked it up. Yeah. Yeah, I I noticed that while watching it. I was like, oh my God, it's not cut once. (laughs) No, there's, there's three scenes in the movie that does that. And all three are like the big climatic moments in the acts kind of, um, like it's almost like a beginning, middle, and end type thing of their relationship. And each time, like, you get more and more heartfelt moments out of them. And the, it's more of just the actors, right? Like, they, they did that take in three... They did three takes, I think, for the, the scene in particular I'm talking about. And yeah. like, if you watch the movie, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about, where they're arguing over a decision. But... They only did three takes because the actors have that much chemistry and they knew their lines that well. That's insane. Three takes for like a five-minute long yeah. shot is insane. Speaking about shots, hmm. cinematography in this movie, creative. It is. Most of it. Yeah, very creative. Okay, okay. Before you say anything, I know what you're going to say. You're going to call out shot. one shot Everything in the else. entire dang movie. <laughs> You're going to take one the shot point and point it out. 99.9% is good. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not saying that it was going to ruin the cinematography for me. The cinematography was good. 
and no. it was really damn good. Yes, I okay, good. Right, I don't... Shot, that's the one shot that disturbed me because it was confusing. It didn't make sense. <laughs> felt weird, but everything else was okay. Like, okay. Okay. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll accept it. it. In Easy A, which we talked about last week, um, we have like two really good parents, and I think these two parents they don't have as much screen time whatsoever. No, they really don't. But I think that they both like give kind of quirky, weird performances, which is very similar. Yeah, Nick Offerman yeah. was hilarious in this movie. Yes, he's so good, and you have no <laughs> background. Like the people in the, that read the book know a lot more about the character and understand his quirks. And I love that the movie took it out. Yeah, he's just weird in the movie. That's basically <laughs> yeah, it. He's the opposite of Ron. He's like a film teacher or a film professor at a college in the book. And like they kind of just took that out and just made him a guy who's really weird, who likes food. And, yeah, that's basically and, his like, whole character. And Criterion discs, I guess. And like that's, to me, that was completely fine. All he does is sit at home. His pajamas <laughs> and other weird clothes. <laughs> eat food. Yeah. That's it. That's all he does. Literally it. <laughs> and but it's so funny. I don't know why. <laughs> it's such a great performance. It's a little bit different of a role for him. It's definitely not Ron Swanson. No. Yeah, that's but... what was, it's the opposite. Complete opposite of Ron. Yes. Which is kind of epic. And kind of makes you feel a little weird watching it. <laughs> At least anyone who's seen as much as Parkinson's and Rec as I have. <laughs> but um, more than Nick Offerman, Nick Offerman's barely in the movie. And whenever he is, he's like a standout in his scenes. But who like gives a really great performance is Connie Britton, who plays um, Greg's mom. Yeah. Uh, you just tell how much she cares about what's happening in her son's life. And <laughs> Greg is... Not a good person, right? Greg starts off as someone who, who is self isolated, and he just like trust issues are very high. He just doesn't. He wants to stay invisible from most of the world, which blocks him from uh, experiencing almost anything. Yeah. Uh, until he actually is forced to hang out with the dying girl. Um. Wait, that's that's oh. the title of the movie. Me and Earl and the Dying yeah. Girl. Wow. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. <laughs> wow. Uh, the more you know, guys, then you know we were talking about that movie. Dude, I, th- wow. I thought we were still I talking about Walkhard. Yeah, I thought we were too. Great movie, Dude, by the way. Talk anything about Walkhard? We're getting off track, guys. You're talking about Greg. Oh, okay. It's about Greg, and yeah, which that's basically what, how it starts off. Yeah, uh, I mean, just... his performance, I think, is anyone who doesn't fit into one crowd, right? Hmm. Um, like I wrote in my notes, uh, Greg is such an awful person. I feel bad that I relate to him on a deep level. Um, and I also wrote that he has like a super awkward, dry humor that literally no one gets, right? And I, I felt that. I really did. He makes, like, a joke and, like, no one reacts to it. Yeah, yeah, he does that a lot. Well, to be fair. Yeah. To be fair, that summer joke was not very funny. Wait, which joke was it that you're talking summer about? Summer joke. 
repeated it like twice or three <laughs> times. I don't think anybody yeah. laughed at me. Summer? <laughs> so what what little, is that? Like, even I thought it was like... More <laughs> summer? <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I didn't think so. Maybe that's oh why you're late to him. <laughs> did it work two times. Why do you try? <laughs> Just stop it's trying, bro. Oh, Dang it, I can say, oh no, that's a spoiler, I can't say that. Dang it. <laughs> but, John Bernthal's character, um, I wrote in my notes, he's like a teach. what a teacher should be. He's teaching, but he's so much more than that, because he's in a student's life, and he's just there for them. Some of them. Yeah. Right to the ones he can actually, like, hang out and relate to, because they probably all love movies that, oh, they do. Earl and Greg love foreign films, so yeah. probably the teacher does too, and that's why they probably hang out. That's probably what they do. I okay. think that he's just like likes okay. the outsiders. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you always see that everyone in the class is like joined in on the conversation and stuff, which is not super realistic. But if you have a really good teacher, I think it could be realistic. Yeah, if you have a really good teacher, I think it could be realistic. Yeah, most yeah. of the kids talking, yeah. John, uh, what's his name? Teacher. No, yeah. John, John Bernthal. Come on, he's the Punisher. <laughs> That's the only role I know him as. Oh, wait, no, Baby Driver. I know him. He's in Baby Oh, Driver. dude, John Bernthal's in everything that he's in. That yeah. he's in good. He's also, dead, dude. He's also on, in man. Peanut Butter Falcon. He is, he is. For like, yeah. he's not, wait, what? Less than, less than a minute. <laughs> he has screen time in the Peanut Butter Falcon. He plays Shiloh Bruff's brother. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah, he's a flashback. Yep, he's in like four flashbacks, but he certainly is in that movie. I remember now. Yep. He made he made a movie in the movie. Yeah, but he, like his performance, even though I don't see it as super realistic as like the writing, I think that I have had teachers who have been close to me like that. If that makes sense. Where like he, they get to like, they just like get to chill in their office and then just like talk, and watch movies and stuff. Which I thought like, I think that's a really cool teacher student relationship. Maybe it's just because I'm an education major, but I think it's somewhat realistic. Yeah, it no, can I do too. Yeah, yeah, I, I like and I there's, just there's teachers like that where they try to connect with their students, try to get more personal. Yeah, I I, I just think that. I've had more teachers that don't. But that may just be a criticism of the education school, system so of America. We had a small school, so, you know. Yeah. Many teachers. Yeah, that's true. But it's still, like, I don't know. I, I think that I've had more teachers not try than try. Yeah, that is true. But I think that my favorite teachers are the ones that did try, and he's he's a good teacher. Unlike the teacher in EZA, callback number 5,000. The movie has this overarching storyline of Greg and Earl's movies that they made. Like I think they said they made like 73 Boy. or something. 42. 42. Where did yeah, I get 73 from? Well, I guess 42. Where did you get that from? Where did you get that? 70? Come on, Cole. Come on, Cole. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Where did you get that? <laughs> but... But I think th- I think that this is what makes me love the movie most is that me and Erlen a dying girl is literally coming of age for Criterion nerds. It's almost every single movie that they parody is 
Criterion, and the director did it on purpose. Reference Clockwork Orange, uh, Main Streets. They reference a lot. I mean, those are the main two I remember. Uh, Raging uh, Bull. Yeah, Eight and a Half, which is they yeah. literally called it Eight, like A T E and a Half instead of Eight and a Half, which is awesome. <laughs> Citizen Kane, uh, Crouching, Dra- Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Breathless, Seventh Seal. Those are just off the top of yeah. my head. Yeah. Oh, also, um, they called Main Streaks Grumpy Cul-de-Sacs, which is incredible. That's and funny. I was watching an interview of the director, Alfonso, and Martin Scorsese. Uh, Martin Scorsese was um, interviewing him. He's like, you you parodied Mean Streets, right? And he was like, yeah, uh, Grumpy Cul-de-Sacs. And me- Scorsese was like, that's awesome. And that, <laughs> I love Scorsese. <laughs> Well, Apparently, Scorsese. Wasn't the, hmm. Let's see, wasn't the director uh, working with Scorsese before? Yep. Yeah, an assistant. Yeah, he's known Scorsese for a really long time. So that makes sense why he would reference one of Scorsese's movies. He does. He references Mean Streets, Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, I think that may be all of them. And Raging Bull. So three of them. I like the Last Temptation of Christ name. What's that? The last. Your station of Christ? Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I, don't know, I think what makes a great coming-of-age movie great is the unique factors, right? Yeah. Um, without, without this, like, without both the films that they're making throughout the movie and, like, how it, like, shows, like, short clips of their parodies of like great classic films and the platonic friendship instead of romantic friendship this movie would be nothing right it'd be just the fault in our stars except with better cinematography i guess another generic love movie high schoolers yeah and like that's not what i'm looking for whenever i'm watching a coming of age movie at this point this movie just differentiates itself and it gets it off right off the bat really I think just... those are probably gonna be my least favorite of age movies. Probably the the romance ones. Yeah, that's why we haven't started with them. Yeah, my least favorite ones too. Yeah, we're we're talking about one next week though. So. Oh my god, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> just remember, hot girls destroy your lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wrote that's that's literally my first note is hot girls destroy lives. And oh my God. Honestly, that's just it's just my life, um, just how I look at life. Oh my God! Every time, like, I think the funniest joke that they just keep calling back over and over again in the movie is um, is what the moves? Catherine Hughes um, oh. character Madison. Whenever every time she walks up to Greg, she touches him, and it like cuts to the claymation of the moose stomping on the mouse. Yeah, that <laughs> every, was hilarious. Every that time it gets more and more squirrel. graphic. <laughs> uh, I thought hey, it may have been a squirrel, but it's, it, and it, like the first sentence he ever says is "Don't don't forget, hot girls destroy your life." <laughs> and it's kind of epic. It's been the facts. It's probably not gonna be a spoiler because <laughs> it's in the first act. Yeah. But, uh, sure. One of the best jokes was the test joke. Here, in the background, <laughs> the girl saying oh. that she's doing a lot of tests. 
all the people are saying I'm sorry, and then it walks past her. She says, oh, Tess, you've been that before. He says, Tess, I've been there. Ugh. And just keeps on going. <laughs> then, and then it come, they come back, and they're like, have you heard about your friend? Tess, Kimi, like, huh, who? And he, he's told, he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. She got her leukemia <laughs> test yeah. back. <laughs> oh my god that was actually no, a really good joke i haven't been there before <laughs> yeah the movies it's it's the impeccable comedic timing that this movie has um and i'm, I'm not going to count it as a spoiler because it's the ending it's the it's the middle act but it's also whenever earl meets rachel so it's not too much of a spoiler but um the pot sequence rivals booksmart <laughs> That's yes. No, I think yeah. it's better than book smarts. It's way better than book smarts. Yeah. Their acid sequence. Yeah. Whenever they're dolls. No, I think I think it's better. Okay. Okay. No, I'm okay with that. I mean, I I <laughs> love book smart and that scene, but also, um, whenever Earl and Greg take pot, which was definitely not pot, but they keep saying it's pot. But they were hallucinating way too much for it Don't to be pot. Don't know what they took. Don't know yeah. what they took. Don't know what they took. I mean, they kept saying it was pot, but it definitely was not. <laughs> we all know it wasn't. So come on now. <laughs> uh, it couldn't have been pot. That's for sure. But, but why uh, did he put it in soup? That's the thing. But whenever <laughs> um, it, it hits him, and it's like, wait, it wasn't in soup. Oh yeah, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, I forgot about that. My the bad. cookies from the drug dealer. Yeah, yeah, my bad. <laughs> but um, whenever it first hits him in class, and everyone just starts spinning around him, and then it's like a fuzzy bear in the background. <laughs> no, the panda. It's a panda and a, and a yeah. pink rabbit. Yes. Yeah. And he keeps seeing them over <laughs> and over. <laughs> That's it's funny, like, bro. I think our teacher gave us pot. <laughs> he used a text message or a phone call and was like, there was drugs in that soup. <laughs> My god. <It's> the, <laughs> it, really was... it wasn't even a phone call or a text. It was, he gets a text and it pops up Earl in like a holographic image hovering over his phone. He's like, bro, there were drugs in the soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a funny... I don't think the director has gone on. I think he went on to make one movie so far, and it wasn't well received. I checked his uh, filmography. He only made four movies in total. Uh, one starring one of my uh, favorite Scientologists, John Travolta. What? In the he made a John Travolta movie in the in the two thousands. So it wasn't good at all uh, because John Travolta's career was probably like already dead at that point. Wait, wait, yeah, whoa, whoa, made, back up, back up. You haven't, you haven't heard about uh, that John Travolta movie directed by the, by this guy. Uh, it's called. Hold on, I'm looking. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, looking too. Number. And I can't... Lucky number. Lucky number. I heard about that. John Travolta and um, the, the girl from Friends. I'm going to fact check you right now. Directed that. Because it was not directed by Alfonso. Yeah. He is in the movie as an actor, and it is directed oh, by Nora Ephron, yeah. and it has a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
So you were oh, right about John one thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you were right about one thing, and it's that John Travolta's career has failed. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, John Travolta. Please don't sue me. And when you thought Quentin Tarantino saved his career, John Travolta said, "Nope, nope." I'm gonna make yeah. yeah, he made the town that dreaded sundown, which is a horror film. I've heard it's good, or at least fine. And he also did the current war, which came out last. Well, it came out in 2017, and critics panned it and destroyed it. And then they came out with a director's cut last year, and then critics were like, "Wait, this is a good movie." So like, where, where, where? the studio that owned, that had the movie destroyed it. They and like cut down on all of like the important stuff of the film. And then he eventually fought for the rights and got his director's cut out there. And apparently, it's good. No, it was probably too late. Oh yeah, no one talked about it. Uh, I meant to see it in theaters, but I never got to see it. Yeah, it does. And it was produced by Scorsese. So, there's that. I will now enter a subhuman state. Do you guys not remember that? No? I don't don't know what you're talking about. What? Are you on? Hi, Rachel. I'm sorry that you have cancer. Enter a subhuman state. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) That's what he called it. Yeah. Come on. I was like, what are you We're talking about? You're dying. That's where at least that joke. That's, that's where Hugh Jackman yeah. comes in, is after the subhuman yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, if you don't want to enter the subhuman state, at least pretend you're dying. Hugh Jackman, stop it. <laughs> stop it now. You kidding. Are you kidding? Do you guys have any final notes before we end this one? I, I didn't write any notes, Cole. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> This I mean, was um, Olivia Cook's first film not to do with science fiction or horror, which is kind of shocking because she's doing so well in the movie. I mean, you got to be a pretty good actress to be in horror. Yeah. And then I look really and know. she's in like freaking Ouija. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Never mind. I don't know about having to be a good actress in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody can be in a horror. It just depends if the movie's good. Yeah. Yeah. But she's also, she's in Ready Player One, and she's really good in that one. I remember her in that one, yeah. She's the love yeah. interest. So, yeah. I guess there's that. <laughs> like, none of these actors are <laughs> in many things. No. Do people still talk about that movie? Do people still talk about Ready Player One? Uh... The only thing that I ever see is people crapping on it, and I don't get why, because I like Ready Player One. I like Ready Player One. I thought it was a good movie. People stop talking about it. Crazy, like, the the hype high quickly after the movie came out. Like, I guess people didn't really like it, but I thought it was, like, some early Spielberg-type stuff. I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll accept it. I really enjoyed it. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember much anymore. I mean, I, th- I I just was, like, vibing watching it. I remember Chucky. Yeah, I remember He's Chucky. That, that is a great scene. Off great track. <laughs> okay, so Justin. <laughs> oh, I'm Mexican. I'm going to say it for you. <laughs> okay. So just to end off the podcast, um, Pablo, where can the people find you? Um, you guys can find me on Letterbox as uh, some random Mexican, and on Instagram as um, this is definitely not Pepe. 
It's called Definitely Not Pepe. Definitely Not Pepe. Okay, yes. you guys go follow him. I actually didn't know that. Okay. Um, I'll... Made it. Oh, okay. There we go. And Chris, yeah. where can the people find you? They can find me on Instagram at Chris two underscores FM and then on YouTube at Chris FM. Okay, and you guys can find me at Instagram and Twitter at the Cole Garner on Instagram and Letterboxd at Geek Center. Just to end you guys off on a note, next week we're going to be watching uh, The Spectacular Now. And if you guys are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate us five stars. If you're listening on Spotify, follow us. And we will see you guys next week.